So lots of fun. Speaking of fun, today we're going to talk about suffering. Suffering. Because we're in this series about following Jesus, right? We're in this series about beyond the chair, what it's like to follow Jesus beyond just coming in and sitting in a seat uh, in a chair in our auditorium. And part of it involves suffering. There is no gospel without suffering. Just as several weeks ago, I talked to you about uh, repentance. There is no gospel message without repentance, without turning from sin and changing our life. And that's an ongoing thing as we grow and become conformed to the image of Christ. We repent. And an ongoing reality of the Jesus follower is that we suffer. We suffer. Now, we like to talk about John chapter 10, where Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full, have it more abundantly. And we'll talk about uh, Matthew, where Jesus says, uh, come to me, all you who are weary and overburdened, and I will give you rest, rest for your souls. Those kinds of passages are great. I love preaching those kinds of passages. But there are a plethora of passages in the Bible on suffering. Honestly, until these past couple weeks, as I've been looking at, I didn't realize that there was this much in the Bible about suffering, pain, trials, persecution. There is a lot in the Bible about it. In fact, we could do a multi-week series just on that. And I just want to start, and I've got to go quick because Nan took all my time. By the way, I love talking about this stuff with students. It's so important for us as a church to invest our lives, not just in our students, but in students around the community. In Acts chapter 9, God tells Ananias, I will show him, speaking of Paul, how much he must suffer for my name. Really? Man, you're, you're asking Paul to be the missionary to the Gentiles, Father. And you're, that's, that's your lead? <laughs> that's just, I mean, Paul is not, he's still blind from his Damascus Road encounter. He's at the, this home on Straight Street. And, and God is telling Ananias to go there and to pray for him. So he'll be healed and he can see. And, and, and I'm going to show him and teach him how much he must, how much he must suffer for my name. I believe that's true of every believer, that God asks us to suffer. It is our American culture that tells us, have it your way. Have it your way. I could sing it for you, but you wouldn't recognize it anyway, as my wife always informs me. Um, Our American culture tells us to have it your way, but we learn from scripture that suffering is a part of following Jesus. Here's a slide that's got my three granddaughters. Uh, My granddaughter Kyla with her brother Knox looking at a largemouth bass. Knox is quite delighted, by the way. And then my granddaughter Reagan in the middle, and my granddaughter Addie, who I took to Red Robin, and there she was smiling across the table from me. Three granddaughters, okay, you can take that down now. A couple weeks ago, or a couple months ago, I was in our licensing and ordination committee meeting in Omaha, and we had a new person that came onto our team. Her name was Nancy, and Nancy began to tell her story. She's 70 years old, she's retired from full-time ministry at Christ Community Church, 
Um, she was involved in their discipleship ministry there. And so now she's joining us on our licensing and ordination committee. She's telling her life story, and it includes, as of that time, her saying that six months ago, her two-year-old granddaughter died of cancer. And man, I just, that like took all the wind out of my balloon. And I'm thinking, I got three granddaughters. Two of them are two years old. And as she talked about it, she talked about it in the context of how she's doing with this. She's not doing well. She's mad at God. She's telling us, I'm mad at God. I just am. I love him. I have my faith is in him, but I'm kind of mad at him. And I'm working through that. And as she told us, man, she started crying and I was really like just holding it. I could have rolled right under the table. Suffering, pain and suffering in this world. Some of you have been through this. Some of you have maybe been through worse. And we're like, God, if you exist and you're so good, why is there so much evil and pain and suffering in our world? It's the question of the ages that philosophers and theologians and authors try to wrestle with. Part of it has to do with sin and brokenness and the curse on the planet. And part of it actually just has to do with suffering produces something in our lives that nothing else will. Last week, Pastor Bose ran the, the marathon. He texted me and said, that it was the toughest thing I've ever done. And I wondered, in any of those 26.2 miles, would he have experienced any pain or suffering? Yeah, yeah. But what, what did it produce in him, right? We'll all have to find that out when he, when he comes back. But what, what, what did it produce in him? What did it change? What did it do physically for him? It created some good things in his life. And um, only he will be able to tell us that, but suffering changes us. Whether it comes from evil or our, the consequences of our sin, or whether it comes from God testing us or bringing, uh, leveraging opportunities in our lives to make us more like Christ, suffering is something we're all a part of. It's a part of all of our lives. In 1 Peter 4, it says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you, what's it say? to test you. Sometimes that's why it comes, to test us. He says, don't be surprised as though something strange were happening to you. It's not strange. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Jesus suffered, and we participate in his sufferings so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If we partake in the sufferings of Christ, Somehow when Christ comes and his glory is revealed, we'll be overjoyed. We will connect with him on a level that we wouldn't have had we not suffered. And if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Later on in the chapter, he says, so then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. If you're suffering, but you feel like your life is right in the center of God's will, just commit yourself to the faithful creator, the one who made you, and continue to do good. So number one, if you're following on your handout, suffering is a part of following Jesus. I want to talk to you the next slide, Billy and Bonnie, not their real names. 
They were, uh, Billy's 25, she's 24. They came before our committee this past week. Um, he is being ordained and uh, they are gonna be sent by the Alliance as international workers to the Middle East. So here's a map of the Middle East. These are the countries in the Middle East and um, it's one of those countries, but I'm not gonna tell you which one it is. And right now, they just got stars in their eyes. They're recently married. They're finishing their two years of, of home assignment where they're getting prepared in a church to go overseas. And they're gonna go to one of these countries and share the gospel in one of the least reached areas of the world, which is what the Alliance does. 80% of our missionaries we send to North Africa, the Middle East, and Asia, where most everyone has almost zero access to the gospel. So one of the things I said to them after he had passed, they came back in, we let him know he passed, he would get ordained. Um, so when you go to the Middle East in a year, year and a half, whenever it is, I said, the time is gonna come, and I looked at her, when you are sitting in a puddle of tears, uh, you're crying, you're scared, you don't feel safe, you think this has been a, this is a terrible decision. This was a wrong thing. We shouldn't have done this. And you, and I looked at him, I said, and you, you are not knowing what to do with your wife. You believe half of what she says, and the other half you think is actually worse, and you think this is a, a, an awful decision. We should go back. I said, you guys, when that day comes, and it will come, you just gotta know you're normal. Just know you're normal, that you've gotta go through this. If you're gonna do something that, like this that you wanna do, if you really wanna go into a majority Muslim country and bring the gospel, you are going to suffer. But don't worry, it's normal. Reach out to the Alliance family, we'll be there to support you and help you because they've got, they've got plans for that kind of stuff. Suffering. Suffering is a part of the Christian life. In Romans chapter 5 it says, not only so, but we also glory, we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Man, that's a, that's a meaty passage right there. You've got the Holy Spirit pour, being poured into our hearts, or God's love being poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You've got this thing of suffering that produces like um, long suffering, perseverance, you can get through it and when you get through it, that produces character. And when you have that kind of character because you've suffered and gotten through it and God's with you, that character produces hope. And so number two on your handouts is that suffering produces hope in us. And you know what they call people without hope? Yeah, hopeless. <laughs> Who wants to be hopeless? Hopeless is the deep, dark stretch of depression when there's hopelessness, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Suffering actually produces the opposite when leveraged with Jesus Christ. 
and the power of his spirit. In James 1, we all know this one. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know, you know that the testing of your faith produces, there's the word again, perseverance. But this is from James. He says, let perseverance finish its work. That's the character and hope part. So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Number three, that trials mature us. Now, I don't think, I don't know if I said it in this service or the last, but the passages in the Bible on suffering are innumerable, like all over the place. So we're just looking at a few because we could spend a half a year on this topic. First Peter chapter one, he writes, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that, oh, don't you, don't you love to know the purpose of bad stuff? These have come so that, look what it says, the proven genuineness of your faith, and then parenthetically, of, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, the proven genuineness of your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So the trial comes, it tests your faith, it finds it strong, faithful, persevering. That results in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Suffering can bring glory to God. Number four, if you've got that hand up, suffering can bring glory to God. It's a reason why we suffer. The picture of this family, these folks were here uh, months and months ago. Uh, they uh, experienced a death in their family. Their son Judah was born, and within just a few weeks, because of genetic disorders, he passed away. And they wanted to uh, go to some long-term counseling so that when they go back to their field in West Africa, they can be a little more healthy and um, put back together. They just were, were driving through Newton yesterday on their way back from a three-week um, family um, counseling and therapy out east somewhere, and they wanted me to thank you as a church. Our church funded that for them so that they could go for those three weeks. And it was a family, so they dealt with the girls too. There's a river and um, Eleni, I think it's Eleni is the little one on the left. Um, they wanted to me to thank you for that support. She is now 26 weeks pregnant, which is, means she's only a quarter, she's only three months away from delivering. I, I guess we didn't ask if they even knew what the baby was. Do you know it's six months? I don't know. I don't know these things. But anyway, she's six months pregnant, um, and so they're at the same time still grieving their son and yet in joyful anticipation of another, and they're going back to West Africa to suffer a little more. It's part of their calling. Ah, surprise, it's part of all of our callings is to suffer. Second Corinthians chapter one, it says, Paul says, we don't want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despise of life itself. 
Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name, right? This is Paul. But, he writes, this happened that. Oh, why did it happen? I love it when he explains it. That says why. That we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. We felt like we had the sentence of death, and God can raise the dead. And we had to rely on God. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Have you ever despised of life itself? I know that some of you have. Some of you have stood at the abyss and looked into the darkness, and at some point, light returned, right? But you despised of even life itself. I've been with people in the past year, two years, um, that, that couldn't see any light at the end of the tunnel. That's a, that's a dark place. And so if you're filling in blank, suffering increases our reliance on and hope in God. And on the screen I changed it. Suffering can cause us to rely on and hope in God. It moves us toward God. And, and when you only have God to trust in, everything else has been stripped away. And you're standing at the abyss and you don't even have any control over, over your own balance and you might plunge headlong into it. You've only got God to trust in. That's not a bad place to be. And I found out that we're supposed to be there all the time. We only ever have God to trust in. What do we have, our good looks, our riches, our personality? That's only gonna get us so far. It's a great place to be, to only have God to trust in. There's a picture of a brush fire. My friend Scott, who called me this week, haven't talked to him in a number of years. He was one of my adult youth workers when I was a youth pastor in the middle 90s. Scott was one of the youth workers that if you wanted to pull off like a big deal, you get Scott on the team and it's just, it's gonna happen. If you tell him it can't happen, oh, it will happen. He had a, and we have a flat floor, we could do it in here. We, we, we brought a four foot above ground pool here and we filled it up. And for that beach theme, we also brought six inches of sand and put it all across the platform. Yeah, he built ramps up onto the platform and had plastic, wheelbarrow after wheelbarrow after wheelbarrow of sand, beach sand, that filled the platform with a volleyball net. I mean, this guy dropped out of the ceiling. We had a big horse come through one time. All kinds of stuff with Scott. Well, Scott was trying to burn a big, huge pile of brush uh, two months ago, and something about high humidity and diesel fuel fumes and a blowtorch, and it sent him 20 feet up in the air. <coughs> and when he landed, his legs were on fire, his hands were on fire, his forearms, his neck, his face, and his head. All his hair got burned off. When his son grabbed him to pick him up, to take him to the truck, his skin just came right off his legs on his arm and he put him back down. Anyway, Scott says to me, Jeff, it was a great experience, spiritually. He's talking about how his wife and daughter had to treat his wounds for a couple weeks afterwards, how excruciating, 
painful and humiliating the whole experience was. And he said, it was a great experience to grow my faith and to increase my empathy for those in pain. Jeff, God did stuff in me that I've never had done inside of me in my life. And then he said this, I do it again. Okay, well, Scott, in the future, (laughs) let me give you some advice. Don't do it again. You might might have landed on your head and broke your neck. But he said, I would do it again because of what it did inside of him. And so here in 2 Corinthians 4, he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we've not been abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive and always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Number six is that suffering allows the life of Jesus to be revealed in us. In 2 Corinthians 12, it says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, Paul writes, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, I must show you how much you must suffer for my name. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. I delight in insults. I delight in hardships and in persecutions and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's a different perspective on pain and suffering, is it not? A different perspective. And Scott said, I would do it again. Number seven on your handout is, in my sufferings, I can experience the strength of God. We're almost done in 2 Corinthians 4. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Our sufferings can achieve for us an eternal glory. That sounds like a good trade-off. Temporal sufferings, eternal glory. 1 Peter 4.19 says, so then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Suffering is no reason, number nine, to abandon or disobey God. I would change that one. It is a reason. It's a reason why a lot of people abandon or disobey God. But I would change it to suffering is no excuse to abandon, to abandon or to disobey God. It may actually be a reason that people take, but they're missing out when they do. Hebrews chapter 2 says, since the children have flesh and blood, that's us, he too, Jesus, shared in their humanity. He became 
flesh. He was incarnate in the flesh, the Son of God, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. Number 10, Jesus' ultimate suffering defeated our ultimate foe. My friend Glenn Powell, who is uh, involved in the Institute of Bible Reading, and they've come up with this Immerse series that creates books, creates the Bible as like novels, as books. It's all scripture. There's just no verses or chapters. The chapters would be each book of the Bible. This would be the New Testament. And I think there are five others that comprise the Old Testament. I had him on my podcast several years ago, and um, his wife just passed away this past summer. She had cancer, and they weren't expecting her to go so quickly. And so you can put this picture up. He put this picture up, and he wrote this on his Facebook page. He says, on my way home from the desert, I stayed at a bread and breakfast that Jane and I loved on an earlier stay four years ago. It's off that gorgeous Highway 550 between Silverton and Durango. We always said we'd go back, but everything seemed to get in the way, COVID, etc. So when she was getting quite sick a few months ago, she told me to go back there and quote, remember me. So I did. I stayed in the same room we were in. Then I found her entry in the guest book. You show that picture, it's the next one. That perfect handwriting, that beautiful person. And he has written on his Facebook account, he's put up week after week, what he's going through in his heart and his his pain and his yearning for his wife who's not there, how he goes to see his little grandkids, and they say, where's grandma? And he's got to try to tell them that she's not there, she's in heaven. Suffering. We all go through suffering, yet God is still there, and he walks with us. A guy named Hicks wrote a book called The Message of Evil and Suffering, and he said this, at the heart of a Christian understanding is the mystery, the mystery of God incarnate as the suffering Christ, given for the sake of humanity. As demonstrated through the cross, God is not disinterested in human suffering. Jesus, in order to deliver us out of our suffering, entered into our suffering. And through that suffering and death, achieved for us a huge victory. The last slide says our suffering brings glory to God refines our faith and dependence on God and earns us an eternal glory not to be compared to what we suffer. Yet it's still a, oh, I guess it didn't fit on the slide. Yet it's still a mystery. It's still a mystery. There's, there's mystery to the fact that evil and suffering exist in this world. But when we follow Jesus, there is purpose and redemption in our pain and suffering. So if you're going through it, don't act like it's some mysterious thing, like something strange is happening. If, some of us will step into it this week. You know, we pray that we don't. Jesus prayed that he wouldn't too. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And sometimes God's will is to take us through suffering, to create in us what couldn't be created any other way. So you grab God's hand and you walk through it with him. The three people in the fiery furnace, 
They looked in, they said, look, there's a fourth who looks like the Son of Man. In 1985, I heard a message, and the point of it was this. It is better to go through the fire with Jesus Christ than never to go through the fire at all. And I think that's so true. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for walking with us through the fires, through the pain, through the suffering of this life. And God, ultimately, as believers, you you will deliver us out of all this. And you will deliver us into a new heaven and earth come together where you are the light and you are the life, where yours is the living water that we'll drink. And yours is the multifaceted manna uh, that we'll eat, all kinds of great food for all eternity. What was meant to be before sin. So God, help us to keep our eyes fixed on that, on what we can't see, because what we can't see is eternal. What we can believe by faith is true, that you are there and you will walk with us through suffering. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you put yourself on the cross to suffer and die for our sins so that through our faith in you, we can have eternal life. God, I pray that if there's any in the room this morning who have never placed their faith in Jesus Christ, that they would believe in the God who comes in the flesh to make all things new, to create a path for us to have our sins forgiven and to be given new life in Him. We worship you, God. We love you. You are all powerful and almighty. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.